Open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to jump pretty much right into the text this morning because it starts off with, to the elders among you, in which case it's very easy for everybody else to just tune out, right? <laughs> Whew! Not talking to me. Don't tune out. For two reasons. Number one, this goes to what we consider to be appropriate church leadership, and that involves all of us. Also, as you will see later, I think there's a lot that Peter talks about here that he actually has in mind to apply more broadly than just the leaders of the church. So don't tune out. There's a quiz at the end, okay? So let's talk first about context. Uh, if you've been with us for a couple of weeks in First Peter, you know there has been a common theme, and that common theme is suffering. Aren't you excited to come to church? If you look back, if, if you have the NIV like I do, and other translations might be slightly different, but above um, chapter 4, verse 12, there's a little subheading. I, told my, I reminded my Sunday school class this morning, remember those subheadings are not part of the text. But they give kind of a good overview. So the NIV says above chapter 4, verse 12, suffering for being a Christian. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 8, suffering for doing good. You get the gist. There's a lot of suffering. They were going through a time, as we've said over and over again, and it's important to realize as we come here, we're not just talking about normal suffering, everyday life is hard sort of suffering. That's a part of it. And certainly a lot that Peter talks about applies there. Peter is specifically writing to Christians who were feeling scattered, dispersed in their own culture, some of them in their own homes, wives who had come to know the Lord as their Savior. And and that brings a little bit of tension between her and her husband. Husbands that have come to know Jesus as Savior, and he's supposed to be the head of his household, but he knows, I can't dictate what my wife and my kids believe. Contrary to the culture, the gospel was different. And so there's that struggle there. Slaves have been set free by Jesus Christ. And they're going, great, I'm free, but I'm still a slave. How do I live as a Christian in this environment? Christians were beginning to struggle going to the marketplace. I mean, could you imagine going to Wegmans and right there at the door? Hey, you have to put in a little bit of money or, or you have to offer or burn a little bit of incense to worship this god or goddess. Just do it. It's just how we all go in. It's really no big deal. Just just a little bit of worship, and then you can go in and buy your groceries. And Christians are going, I can't do that. Now, that's unheard of to us today, but that's what they faced. The farmer taking his, his various goods and food to the marketplace to sell it, and he would have to offer sacrifice. So suddenly now he's going, how do I sell my goods? And they were beginning to feel this tension, this growing tension between them and their culture as their culture was turning against them and saying, we don't accept what you believe, we don't believe what you believe, and we actually, and this was the beginning of a change in their culture, we actually think you're wrong to believe it. You are hateful, you are judgmental if you are a Christian. This was the suffering that Peter was talking about specifically. And I think, if we're honest, we can begin. I'm trying to not be overly dramatic. I think we need to be careful as Christians. We're not saying everything in the world's turning against us. Everything's falling apart. But we can see that there is a strong aspect of the gospel that has always been out of line with contemporary culture, whatever that contemporary culture is. But as contemporary culture moves away from any 
acceptance of God's word or the gospel, there is an increasing and growing tension between the church and the gospel. And some of you, some of your relatives and friends are facing the same things that Peter were facing in, or things uh, people were facing in Peter's day. Should I just change what I believe? Just let go of this little bit and I could give in. Maybe Jesus isn't the only way. Wouldn't that make everything a lot more socially acceptable if we just gave up a little bit of the gospel? But when you give up a little bit of the gospel, you give up all of it. If the gospel falls short of rescuing someone, then they're still lost. And so he is writing to people who are struggling, suffering, encountering ongoing difficulty in their life because of their faith. Now imagine, throughout the whole letter, he has laid out that that Christians were struggling. Christians were suffering for their faith. And as he reaches the end of the letter, as we talked about last week, he's moving into not just teaching, but encouraging. Yes, challenging, but encouraging. Here's how to keep going. Part of it now is to refer to these church leaders, to the elders among you. Part of his encouragement to the church on how to keep going in this difficult situation is to have a proper biblical view of church leadership. Now let's look at the situation that they're facing. He starts with, to the elders. The the term elders, it's used here, a lot of people struggle with this because it's like, well, do elders have to be old? (laughs) So it's good to think of elder in terms of maturity, not in terms of physical age, and not just social maturity, but spiritual maturity. To the elders among you, those that are mature in the faith, now, are you going to be 10 years old and, and a, a real mature believer in Jesus Christ? Not the same way to somebody that's been walking with Christ for 20 years. So yes, age has something to do with it. But he's not just talking to the older folks. He's talking to those that are spiritually mature, have been walking with Christ, growing in their faith, trusting in Christ. And specifically, he's going to say, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who will also share in the glory to be revealed Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Lead. Provide spiritual leadership in the church. Shepherds, he uses that term. Shepherds were to care for, to know, to love, to help. He also uses the word overseers. The NIV has watching over, same thing. This was a a bit more of a technical term for administrating, overseeing, guiding, and directing. Together, Peter puts these together, shepherd, love, care, nurture, by overseeing, leading, guiding, directing, making sure these things were done properly and in order. But look at the way Peter addresses the elders. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. So Peter says, I am one among you, a fellow elder. Peter was... Pretty spiritually mature. I hope we can agree on that. By this point, right, when we first meet him, not so much in the Gospels. He struggled a lot. But by this point, he's a a church leader. He's writing to them as a church leader, as someone who is spiritually mature in the faith. He's bringing instruction to them. So he says, look, elders, those of you in leadership, I am one among you, not there with you, but I'm facing similar struggles. 
But then look at what he says next. I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. What does he mean by that? At first glance, I took this to, to mean, well, Jesus, or Peter was there, uh, not right at the cross, because we know from the Gospels he probably wasn't there. He had kind of walked away for a while. But he was around during the time when Christ suffered. He witnessed what Christ went through in his life. He was a witness. This was fundamental to being a, an apostle, a witness of Jesus Christ that would then pass on what they saw and what they heard. And so when he says a witness of Christ's sufferings, It could be that Peter is referring to himself as an apostle. But I think it's more than that. Because I think he's talking about, I too have gone through the same sufferings for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now imagine for a second, if the common Christian was struggling in their faith and suffering persecution, how much more so do you think anybody that stood up and took any form of leadership in the church would have suffered? Could you imagine? Hey, follow Jesus Christ and you'll be persecuted for your faith. Oh, and by the way, we also need some leaders who will probably be persecuted even more. Right? It doesn't look so great on a pamphlet. But Peter is talking to them saying, look, I get it. I am your fellow elder And also, I have suffered, I have struggled, I have seen what you're going through, I have experienced it myself. One commentator states it this way, the courageous act of leading the church in perilous times rather than renouncing Christ is itself a form of witness that Peter shares with local church leadership. If you know anything about the background of Peter, you know that his track record on that issue was not great. He was the one that confronted Jesus saying, you'll never go to the cross Uh -uh, over my dead body. I'm going to stop you, basically. And Jesus said, very politely, get behind me, Satan. Not so politely, maybe. Peter is also the one that as Jesus is on trial, he denies even knowing Christ. When things got tough, Peter split. But see, this is the powerful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changes people. And Peter is a changed man. And the Acts in Scripture records numerous things that Peter went through where he suffered for his faith over and over and over again. So he can come to these church leaders and say, as a fellow elder, as a fellow person that has seen the suffering you're going through, I can talk to you about these things. So the situation here is of followers of Christ who are struggling and suffering because of their faith. Peter has encouraged them throughout this letter, know who you are in Christ, know the gospel. Know that God has called you to be his people. He is holding on to you, even as it looks like the world's turning against you. Don't judge who you are based on that. Look to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he challenges the elders among them to properly shepherd and oversee these people for the glory of God. Knowing full well that by doing so, these elders may be subject to more suffering by stepping up. Peter's challenge here is don't back down. Don't give in. Let's look at how Peter encourages and challenges these elders. And we'll look at how this applies to all of us. Look at verses 2 and 3. Here's the challenges that Peter gives to them. 
Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And we're just going to look at verses two and three there. I read too far. Verses two and three, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. This term of shepherd is, is used over and over again in scripture for spiritual leaders in general and for church leaders specifically as spiritual leaders. Shepherd the flock. The shepherd had a responsibility to the sheep. To lead them, yes, get them from one place to another where they needed to go, absolutely. But it was leading them for their good. It was leading them for their maturity, their comfort, their growth, their sustenance, their nurturing. Shepherd the flock. The shepherd would know their sheep. Lifting them up, looking them over, seeing where they were hurt, where they were struggling. And lead them in such a way to greater maturity, greater growth. Along with that is providing oversight, watching over them, providing leadership, direction, making decisions. And Peter gives three specific qualifiers here. Not because you must, but because you are willing. Now this seems odd. Not because you must, but because you are willing. But how often do we see in church? Well, somebody's got to lead this. Is there anybody just willing to do it because we really need a leader? Now, imagine in a situation where there's suffering and there's persecution, and they're saying, somebody needs to lead this. Anybody want to step up? And everybody's going, uh-uh, not me. And Peter's saying, look, God is leading some of you to step up. You should want to lead God's people. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, you're going to face persecution and suffering and hardship. But some of you should want to step up into that situation because that's the way that God is at work. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. That's a recognition that the church belongs to the Lord. That leadership in the church functions according to God's design, not the world's design. As God wants you to be, it is the Lord's church, the Lord's people, the Lord's sheep, and even the Lord's shepherds. So that's the first challenge. Not because you must, but because you are willing. The second one is not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. You know, the problem of spiritual leaders seeking money for themselves and seeking to get rich in ministry is as old as Scripture itself. It is just as much of a danger today as it was back then. And the antidote that Peter gives is eager to serve. You're not in this for yourself. You are in it to be used by Jesus Christ for the good of the church. The third challenge he gives is not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. We've talked about the, the Greek and Roman understanding of honor and shame. This pervaded all of culture. I do what I do to get honor for myself. I avoid what I do to not bring shame on myself or not bring shame on my family. It develops into a very me-centered way of looking at the world. And Peter is entering into that and saying, you're not getting involved here for you. 
Your job is not to use the people you are shepherding to make yourself look good. It is for the Lord's sake, being an example to the flock. Peter is warning the leaders in the church against lording it over as their culture did. He appeals to them as one who is right there in the battle with them, experiencing the suffering that they are going through. He's clearly stated throughout the letter that these people are suffering and struggling, and he's telling the leaders, don't split, don't avoid it, jump in, get involved, shepherd them. Shepherding, struggling, and suffering people is not glamorous. It's hard. Suffering people are not a commodity to be used by the leaders to get things done. They are people to be shepherded, to give hope and a direction and to point them to Jesus Christ. And Peter says the way to do this is by being an example to the flock. The way leaders treat people who are suffering and struggling, the way we interact with people who are immature in their faith and struggling to grow matters. It's part of how we shepherd the elders are to be an example to the people of spiritual maturity, especially pointing to gospel-centered hope in Jesus Christ. So Peter issues these three challenges. Don't serve out of guilt or, compa- or compulsion. <laughs> Not compassion. You should do that. Don't serve out of guilt or compulsion, but be willing to serve God's flock. Don't serve for personal dishonest gain, but out of eagerness. Don't lord it of, over others, but be an example. If I could sum up all three, it's very simply this. Being a leader in the church is not about you. It's about leading people to Jesus Christ for his glory and for their good. But then he issues a reward here. Another encouragement. Look at chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I love that recognition. There is a chief shepherd. We serve him for his good. We are all following him. Even the shepherds are actually sheep that are acting as a shepherd under the chief shepherd. That's a messed up picture, but it's a good way of understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. And he encourages these leaders, some of whom by stepping up in leadership are experiencing even more of the suffering he's talking about. Possibly some who are thinking of giving up, stepping back, walking away. And he says, remember, there's always more going on. In Jesus Christ, there is more than what we see in this world. You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. You are serving and being judged and evaluated, not by the world, not by the culture, not by honor and shame, but by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins. And he promises you, There is an eternal reward. Shepherding suffering people is tough. Suffering people are not always grateful for help they receive. I've often talked about um, being a lifeguard when I was in college. And one of the things they train us the most on is how to save someone who doesn't want to be saved. The people that wanted to be saved were fairly easy. It's the ones that didn't want to be saved, thought they were okay, or wanted to grab onto you and take you down with them. Those were the hardest ones. And it was interesting because life-saving class almost turned into a wrestling class. 
there were certain holds that we were taught to subdue the victim so that we could save them. Then, our final exam, they brought in some football players. (laughs) And they were told to fight us. (laughs) That was fun. I felt sorry for them because one of the things we were taught was to use our fingernails under their armpit. And that hurt. And those poor guys walked away pretty sore at the end of the day of having several of these tests. It was rough. I'm not saying elders should do that. Just to be clear. The carryover is that while people often come wanting help, they often want help in their own way, in their own way that makes sense to them. And sometimes suffering people will blame you for not doing enough or not doing what they wanted. So the elders of the church there, they're facing those things common to leadership in all situations. Plus, they're facing persecution from their their society and their culture. And Peter is trying to encourage them and to challenge them. And he's saying it's not about your honor. It's not about how they see you. It's about how God sees you, how Christ sees you. For the eternal reward we serve now in a blip in time that is momentary, we need to have an eternal perspective. Frankly, it's the same encouragement given to all Christians, no matter what situation we're in. In chapter 4, verse 13, Peter talks about participating in the suffering for Christ. But then he said that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. When you're going through difficult times, understand there is an eternity in the presence of God through Jesus Christ that is coming. But then he ends this section with verse 5, which is also a transition into what we'll talk about next week. So we're just going to look at part of it. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And we'll talk about humility and and pride next week, but I just want to deal with that. You who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Notice how Peter refers to everyone else in the church. You who are Younger. So we have the elders, the church leaders, and then you who are younger. He's not saying everybody else is younger than the elders age-wise. But he's saying, look, those who are spiritually mature are serving as leaders. Those who are less so are following. But it's interesting the way he uses this word, I think points to the broader application here. I believe it means that everything that Peter has said about the official church elders has some implication for every growing spiritually mature Christian out there. You have a ministry in the church. You have a ministry to those less mature than you. You have an obligation to shepherd them, to care for them, to lift them up. And what about the younger? What about those that are struggling to grow in their faith, to hold on to faith as they are enduring this this struggle in their life and their persecution? Peter says very simply, submit yourself. Oh, that's a bad word today. Submit yourselves to your elders. Submission is an ugly word today because of abusive leadership. But the gospel holds up a gospel, Jesus Christ transformed leadership. A Christ-focused leadership that cares about the people and shepherds them for the glory of God. 
But the church is not to be dictated by popular opinion where we all come in and just say, what do I want? What do I think should happen? It is to be those that are growing and spiritually mature who have developed a profound and deep faith in Jesus Christ through the power of his word, giving leadership and direction to the rest of the church. If that were to happen, that's the kind of leadership that I pray all of us would lovingly want to submit to. And Peter is actually saying that that is necessary in the struggle that they are facing. Peter's writing to people struggling. Maybe you're struggling today. He's writing to people that were losing family relationships, social relationships, political influence, even economic possibilities because of their faith. I don't know if you're struggling with those particular things or not, but it's possible. And I believe what Peter is describing in this letter and what is described throughout the New Testament is the church as a new family through Jesus Christ. New relationships of encouraging and helping one another, leading, guiding, directing, a new submission, not based on the honor and shame of their culture, not based on personal preference, but based on the word of God. My thesis paper for my master's degree, in my conclusion, I wrote that the church needs to be a new extended family for the body of believers. New aunts and uncles, parents and grandparents. As some are rejected by their own earthly family, they need to see the loving guidance and direction of someone older in the faith coming alongside them for their good and for the glory of God. This mentality that is to be embedded at the very head of all leadership in the church, I believe, is to trickle down in everything in the church to say, who are you mentoring? Who are you walking with? Who are you following? How are we helping one another as we follow Christ together? If we do this, the church becomes a demonstration to the world of something so much better than what people will get anywhere else we become a living demonstration of the Son of God who left the throne of heaven to come and die in our place and then shepherd us for our good and his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. And we struggle at times with your word. We read it through our own lenses. We read it through the lens of our contemporary culture and society. And yet, Father, I pray that we would take our own ideas, our own preferences, our own thoughts, and take them captive to your word. I pray, Father, that the leaders of this church would lovingly encourage encourage those that we shepherd, I pray for those in the church that are, have grown and are spiritually mature, that they would find others to mentor and shepherd. I pray for those that are young in their faith, may they come under that shepherding and learn and follow and grow. May we encourage one another, strengthen one another, building each other up according to your word. Because God, we are like the recipients of 1 Peter. We are scattered in our own world facing the beginnings of struggles, asking questions and wondering what the answers are. And we need each other.
during that time. We pray that we would do this all for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.